everyone and welcome back. We are on episode 9 of Life is Messy and I'm honored to still have you on this journey with me. As a reminder, this podcast is my personal story, the raw, vulnerable, real story of my life. I am on this journey for my own healing, but hopefully to also remind and invite all of you to love your parts of your stories, the dark, the light, things we are proud of and things we are not. In today's episode, we dive into something that I'm not proud of. As a mother, particularly a single mother, I wanted to be in charge, impeccable, honest, and true. I wanted to do the right thing always. I wanted desperately to know what the right thing even was. But I fucked up. And in today's episode, I really fucked up. I let my stories, insecurities, and trauma get the better of me. And I know that I only did what I could, and I've done a lot of self-forgiving for the decisions that I made during this part of my life, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I really messed up in this part of my life. With that, if you're listening for the first time, thank you for joining us. However, for your own enjoyment, please go back and start from episode one. This series is the story of my life, and it's best to hear it from the beginning. It is my personal story, truth, and experience. Names in this podcast have been changed to maintain confidentiality. Mine is mine, of course, and that of my son, who said he was okay with me using his real name. Without further ado, get comfortable, and let's dive in. We left off with I was on the L, the subway in Chicago, and I got a call from Henry, Avery Stad. It had been a long time since we saw him, much less heard from him. He said that he was in town for some kind of art show, that he would only be there for three days and asked if I could do lunch that day or the next. I was surprised and still trying to wrap my head around the fact that he called and that he was in town. It had been so long and I had no idea that he was going to be in town. I said, I might be able to get away for lunch, but my boss doesn't even like me taking a pee break, much less than a lunch break. I wish I would have known you were going to be out here. Also, I'm sure Avery would love to see you. He said, I just want to talk with you. I said, of course we can talk, but if you're here, Avery would really like to see you. You could take the L with me this evening as I head home and then have dinner with us, stay at my house, or jump back on the L. Henry said, yeah, I would love that. I'm just burning the candles at both ends, and I don't think I can fit a visit in with Avery right now. I didn't believe what I was hearing. I was boiling. The rage was hard to contain. I said, but you can squeeze in lunch? He said, yeah, of course. Oh. I was so angry and upset for Avery and me. Henry was burning the candle at both ends. Oh, I'm sorry. Was he raising Avery on his own, working a full-time consulting job and going to school full-time? I wanted to smash the phone, break the window and shake him. Avery didn't deserve to have a father that wouldn't make the effort to see him. It wasn't even that big of an effort. I honestly don't know what I wouldn't do for my son, but here we were. Through my heartbreak and rage, I told him, yeah, I don't think I'll be able to make it for lunch, and I'm really sad that you won't come and see Avery, but I hope everything goes well with your art show. He said, okay, let me know if you can do lunch, and yeah, just can't swing seeing Avery this time around. (sighs) Of course, I didn't tell Avery this. He didn't need to know. I never told him much about his dad. I do remember Avery asking me, though, why his dad stopped calling, why he didn't come to visit. My heart sunk as I knew the feeling that he had. This is how I felt with my dad when I was little. I said, well, Avery, everyone loves in a different way. Your dad does love you. What's not to love? But he doesn't know how to love you or be your dad. It's like having a plant. 
let's say you love this plant so much. You talk to it every day, but you don't water it or give it sun because you just didn't know how. Does that mean you loved it less? He thought about it and said, no, I guess not. I said, that's how your dad is. He doesn't know how to love you, but he does love you in the way that he can. And I'm not saying it's okay, but just know that it's not you or anything that you've done. This is important as when one of your parents abandons you or isn't around, it's easy to think that there's something wrong with you, that you're not lovable, not good enough to make the effort to see or talk to you. I didn't want to badmouth his dad as that wouldn't have helped Avery either, but I definitely didn't want him to feel like he was in the fault. At this time, finances were tight. We had moved into a nicer home, but I was paying more. And even with my promotion at the consulting firm I worked, the ends were just not meeting. I started noticing at the daycare that certain parents didn't have to pay tuition. So I asked Rita at the front desk what it was all about. She said they didn't make enough money. I asked what the cutoff was. She said a ridiculously low amount. And I said, let me get this straight. I'm a single mom trying to do the right thing, go to school and have a job, but because I make any money, I'm penalized for it. Rita just sighed and said, I know it's not fair. Childcare is so expensive, but those are the rules, Miss Nelson. I said, Rita, if I send you all of my bills in a spreadsheet and you can see how upside down I am, would you be willing to give me a discount? She looked at me and said, send it over. I'll see what I can do. She was great and we had gotten to know each other over the years which of course all got kicked off with me requesting that she be my emergency contact on Avery's first day since we knew no one when we got to Chicago. So I put my budget together and sent it over to her. The next day, Rita said she would shave off some of my monthly bill. I was so grateful. This was huge and anything helped. My job was going well and had recently gotten promoted. It was hard work and very demanding, but I was moving up. I just wanted Avery to have a better life than I had when I was young. For me at the time, it meant making more money so that he could do and have the things that he wanted, not to have to be so poor, to grow up with so little. And Avery was doing good. He had friends and was enjoying school as much as he could. And Tim, the man I was dating, we were also doing well. Mine is the piece about his boys that I talked about in my last episode. Essentially, our kids didn't get along too well because they were parented differently, and Avery felt like Tim's two boys got away with so much more than he did, which was true. It was hard on all the boys and got harder the longer we dated. I think Tim was parenting from a guilty dynamic, just like I had been, but that's not an easy thing to bring up to the man you're dating, so I continue to try to make things work. To add fire to it, Tim's ex-wife hated me, and I mean hated me. It was almost like she was pushing from the behind to help the kids misbehave or act up with us. To illustrate, Tim's youngest said, My mom said manners were for adults, for people that like to conform, have no originality. I just looked at Tim and said, Did she? Well, I think it's important that we say please and thank you, don't chew with our mouth open, and are considerate. Yeah, that's what I was dealing with. And they were good kids. Most kids are. It usually comes down to the parenting. And I did love Tim, very much so. He was the sweetest and most loving man I had ever dated. We talked about getting more serious, but I would always say, let me just get through school and we can figure it out later. We had been in Chicago at this point for a little over two years. My graduate program was a total of three years. And at this point, I was exhausted and overwhelmed with Avery, schoolwork, and professional work. So I met with my director of my program. I had been looking over the schedule and figured out a way to graduate a whole semester early. I would have to take two more classes in summer and one more in the fall, but then graduate before the spring semester. 
It was still the same amount of money, plus or minus, but not that much of a difference. I told her that I wasn't trying to spend less, although that would have been very helpful, but that I was exhausted and needed to get out sooner for my own sanity and Avery's. She listened, or so I thought, and then said, Eva, I'm sorry to hear that you're struggling with your classes. It's not possible to graduate early, though. We have to keep the schedule as it is. I said, okay, but first, I'm not struggling with my classes. I am struggling with the length of the program and the knowing that it's possible to graduate early, but that the school won't allow that. I think that would benefit those of us who are working to take this route. It would also benefit the school. She looked me over condescendingly, having no children of her own and being the product of a PhD and said, well, sorry to disappoint, but that's just not an option. I said, can we at least bring it to the board or your boss? She said, I don't feel like we need to escalate this, Eva. It wouldn't bode well for you either, if you know what I mean. Yes, I knew what she meant. I left the office feeling deflated, not heard or seen. I just needed some help and some reprieve. The next day, I asked the other seven working professionals to meet with me. I let them know about the plan that I had to graduate early. Five of them were on board. I was relieved and excited and ready to fight for us. I asked them to come to the director's office with me the next day. I told them about the original conversation that I had with her, but that I was convinced I could persuade her with their help. I was learning a few tricks in business consulting after all. So we all met with the director the following day. She looked surprised and irritated. I said, so I was talking to everyone about our discussion about possibly graduating early and we are all in. She angrily smiled at me and said, yes. And as we discussed, this is not an option. I'm sorry that you all wasted your time. I said, that's unfortunate. I didn't want to have to go over your head, but it would seem that there's a need here with the six of us. Oh, well, we can have a larger discussion because this program, after all, is supposed to support the working professionals. I would imagine that the higher-ups would be interested in our case and desire to graduate early. I got up to leave, cueing everyone else to do so, and the director quickly got up and said, no, no need for that. I will talk to them and keep you all posted. I'm sure something can be done. I said, that would be great. Anything would help us out. And I'm happy to send you the schedule that I figured out. She said, no, I remember what it was from our previous discussion. The next week we learned that our request was granted. So we all got on the new schedule. In fact, there were a couple of other students that jumped on the bandwagon as well. Phew, that was a relief. Graduate school took up more time and energy than I could have imagined, especially being on my own with Avery and working full time. But there was light now at the end of the tunnel. At this point, we lived in a good neighborhood and we needed a car, so I bought my first brand new car. Yes, I know what you're thinking. I was in debt, right? But what was a little more debt? I had no idea the hole that I was digging. I thought it would magically be fixed as I worked my way up in my career. <laughs> Don't we all? Anyway, one morning, Avery and I came out to go to school and work. I came over to the driver's side and there was blood on the side of my door and the hood. Not a lot, but a splattering of it. The driver's side had also been hit and was dented in, slightly. It was odd, to say the least. The blood also splattered up the block, but then stopped at the stop sign. Interesting. So, I called the cops, and Avery and I sat on our front steps discussing various scenarios that could have happened. We weren't scared by it. It was just odd, and we were curious. The cop got there, and we all started discussing different scenarios. We started to act out the various things we thought could have happened. I was most concerned about the blood though. I wanted to make sure that someone wasn't seriously injured out there. After we had our fun, the cop let us know that there was probably nothing they could do. Just make a claim and get the car fixed. 
so it remains a mystery to this day. Because of this, though, I called in and we played hooky. Maybe all of it happened just so we would take a day off. That was such a rarity for us back then. Time went on and I graduated with a master's in industrial organizational psychology. I invited my mom and my dad to come out. Neither of them came. My dad said that it would be too much and did I really want him to come out. I said that, no, he was right. It wasn't that big of a deal. We could celebrate in a different way. My mom was also worried about her finances, so couldn't come out either. By the way, I had graduated three times for my associates, my bachelor's, and now my graduate degree, and no one had shown up for any of these. To be fair, though, I didn't make a fuss about the first two, but I did for this one. It was a big deal to me that I made it through graduate school, but I acted like it was okay that no one was going to come. In fact, I myself didn't go either. Talk about not honoring my effort, but I just kept moving forward. Now I was just working, and there were so many hours to the day. Avery was now in the fourth grade, and we were coming up to the summer. Tim had gotten a good-paying job and was looking for a new place for himself. I started to look with him, and he asked if I wanted to move in with him, maybe get married. I knew this moment was coming, and I started to freeze. I said, wouldn't that be hard with the boys? He said, we'll make it work. We can get a three-bedroom so Avery has a room all to himself since he will be with us full-time. I told him that I would think about it. So I went home and freaked the fuck out. It wasn't because I didn't love him and part of me wanted to settle down and get married to an amazing man. I had a great job out there and Avery and I could be happy, maybe. But the other part of me said that I had just come out here for grad school. The intention was to always go back to Colorado. Did I wanna stay there? Did I wanna stay with him? Did Avery? I panicked and who did I call? You won't guess this one. At least I hope you don't. I called Rick. Remember the leader of the cult that I had freed myself from when I came to Chicago? And because I was not willing to admit that it was a cult, Rick was still in my life and I considered him a friend. Like family, I would say. So I called him. And through a mixture of my own self-sabotage, fear, insecurity, and Rick's persuasion, I decided to go back into the fold of the cult. Sorry, the group, which is what I called it at the time. Rick was still in Colorado, but the rest of the group was making their home in San Francisco. So we, well Rick, decided that I would go to San Fran, get transferred through my work, get settled, find a school for Avery, and then Rick and Avery would come out. Yes, I agreed to have Avery stay with Rick until I got everything settled. Yes, I know how insane this sounds. I honestly just panicked. I was still young, had been thinking through more than I even knew at that point, and couldn't see myself as happy. I think I unconsciously didn't believe that it was a real possibility or that I deserved to be happy. I know, it's fucked up. I convinced myself that I was doing the right thing, that Tim and I weren't a forever thing, that we would be better off continuing to move forward in our lives, to not settle. I told Tim. He was crushed, heartbroken, torn apart. He couldn't understand why I was leaving, what I was doing. So I did what I do best. I shoved down the part of me that just wanted to be loved and happy. The part of me that thought this was too good to be true, that Tim was too good for me. So I put my head up and took one step, then the next. We left Chicago and arrived in Colorado. Rick was running a house. I got Avery settled and then set off for San Fran. I told Avery that I was just going out to get things settled, that he and Rick would be out shortly. He was not happy, but didn't know any better than to trust me. So I moved to San Fran and moved in with the group. The moment I got there, though, I knew deep, deep down that I had made the most horrible mistake of my life. 
I was devastated and so upset with myself, but I kept telling myself that Tim was better off. Avery and I were better off. But where was Avery? What the fuck had I done? And since this was not my first dealings with the group, they already had my bank account info and all of my money funneling into them. You know, to pay for our house and expenses and Rick's house and expenses, blah, blah, blah. And at this point in my career, I was making around 75000 a year. I had moved up and was doing really well at work. I loved being challenged and I was known for designing and running large-scale programs. I was a formidable force and loved it. And for this, I was loved at work. Little did they know though. Here I was, a new job, lateral move, but they had bumped my pay because of where I was going. And unbeknownst to them, I was living with the cult. I had zero autonomy and financial security. I wore suits to work and dealt with people on all levels, including the C-suite, directors, vice presidents, etc. And I had a $100 a week budget for food. I actually had to ask if I needed to take a client out for coffee or needed new clothes. It was not a good situation. It was surreal, bleak, and pathetic. I was a grown-ass professional woman barely surviving. I weighed next to nothing and I was unhealthy and depressed, but I knew I needed to keep my job and I'm good at showing up and good at keeping things private, hidden. So no one knew anything. They just knew that my son was with Rick and that he was coming out soon, but that wasn't the plan. Rick wasn't planning on coming out anytime soon. I realized within a month of being there. He got Avery signed up for school in Colorado and said that this was best for him, that I would make more out there and could visit every once in a while. I was in shock. This time around, I felt like I was losing it. I knew that I needed to get back to Avery, but didn't know how. The group had my money, my accounts, my son. Thankfully, I met a woman at work. Her name was also Hannah. I knew the moment I met her that I liked her, that I had found someone that I could relate to, enjoy even. I befriended her immediately and we became fast friends. I should mention that I met other amazing people during my time in San Fran as well. Incredible people that I worked with, karaoke with, shared offices with. It wasn't an entirely horrible experience. Hannah was a huge help to me though in extricating from the group. I never told her what was happening, but she always knew something was amiss. She asked a couple of times why I never seemed to have money, ate so little, and when was Avery going to come out? But after asking and me not giving a straightforward answer, she seemed to respect that I just needed a friend, and that's what she did. She became my line of sanity in an insane situation. I visited Avery two months in, and he was so sad. He didn't know why I was still out there, why he wasn't with me. At this point, I knew everything was a lie and couldn't lie to him. I just told him that I needed to stay there for a while longer to get established at work so that I could come back and take better care of him. Avery was so sweet. He said he didn't care about the money. He just missed me. He was doing well with Rick, which was my only solace. At the time, Rick was good to Avery. So I went back and started to concoct my plan on getting out of the group. It was so bad and I was so unhealthy, physically, not just mentally, that I was running one day after work. I had to run to work out the rage and angst that I had for being there. Well, I was running along and my arch collapsed on my right foot. It was excruciating. I learned that it was because I didn't have the right foot support, but was also malnourished. I had to use a tennis ball to roll my foot over it so painfully to get it to go back to where it was supposed to go. It was not good, and I was not in good shape. I talked to Rick and told him that I needed out, that I wanted to come back and have a place of my own with Avery, that I was over being in the cult slash group. 
Rick said that if I wanted to leave, I would have to make the money outside of the salary I was making since that was the group money. I was too ashamed to ask for money from my mom, dad, or older brother, so I worked evenings and nights. I did catering jobs, babysitting, etc., anything to make money, and I was quiet about it. I called my mom one day and asked her if she would be willing to move in with us. She was living with my little brother and his family at the time. She said that she could do that, and so I said, Mom, that's great. I need you to find us an apartment then. I will be coming out in two weeks. I need a place for Avery, me, and you. Once you find a place, please move in and grab Avery from Rick's. She was confused but didn't hesitate. She said, you can count on me, Eva. Consider it done. And she did it. She found us an apartment in Thornton, went and grabbed Avery with all of his stuff, and said they would be waiting for me when I arrived. This was a huge step. I also was getting the paperwork changed over at the bank so that Rick didn't have access to it anymore. It would take two weeks to have funds, but they were coming. I then asked my dad if I could borrow one of his cars to drive to Colorado. He and his wife had several at this point. My dad wasn't as sensitive as my mom and did try to ask me questions. However, when I don't want to communicate about something, I won't. So he just acquiesced. He couldn't understand why I wasn't just flying out. So I told him that I didn't have all the funds then because of the apartment and I just needed his help without his interrogation. He got flustered, but he could see that I needed his help. He said, of course, no problem. Take my car and we can figure out how to get it back. I said, perfect. Thank you. It was an older car and they had several, but I just needed to get back. After a couple of hours, he came into the room where I was and said that I could take the car, you know, pay for it over time. He would only charge me 3000 At this point, I would have taken anything and it was really helpful. I told him that was fine. We would work out a payment plan when I settled. He never did ask for one single payment, though. Shortly before I left San Fran, Tim called and said that he had a work trip in San Francisco. Could he see me? I was thrilled, ashamed, nervous, excited, hopeful. I missed him so much and was in such a bad state that the shame and self-hatred were at an all-time high. But of course, I agreed to meet with him. He was the love of my life. He was the one that I let get away. No, actually pushed away. He came out. I didn't tell him my situation, and we had an amazing time. It was like I had never left. I fell back in love with him, and we talked about dating long distance, that our boys were getting older, that maybe we could figure it all out. I told him that I had been a fool to leave him, that I was so deeply sorry. He said he would think about it, and that's all I could ask for. I did break his heart and rip his life apart, but I couldn't help to be hopeful. I couldn't dwell too long on it, though, as I needed to get back to Colorado to Avery. So a little less than six months of getting to San Francisco, I drove to Colorado, got to the apartment that my mom had rented and held Avery for what felt like days. I told him that I was so sorry that I had been wrong, that I was never going to leave him again, ever. My job had told me that I could work virtually for a month while I found another job in Colorado, but that I couldn't do my job virtually longer than that. I understood and was grateful for the leeway. I also knew that the job could be done virtually and did everything I could to keep that job. It paid well and I loved what I was doing. So after a month, I convinced them that I should stay on until we decided it was no longer feasible. And I worked with them for another three to four years. So when I came back and got settled, Tim let me know that he couldn't do long distance, that I had made my choice when I left. He said he wanted someone closer. He needed to move on. I understood and I wanted him to be happy. I was heartbroken though. I was in awe of the devastation that I had created within the last six months, but once again, shove it down and move forward. 
There's a lot that happens in the next several years, but to summarize some of it, Avery makes it through middle school. We move into the house that Rick was renting so he can go off to California. Avery fractures his leg, which is a tragic but amazing story, but not for here. I have a friend move in with me and her daughter for a while. There are men that I date, friends that I have, etc. One thing I will note during this time is the lack of support in friends. I worked virtually, so didn't have an office to go to or adults to be around. I also didn't fit in with my neighborhood parents. You see, I was a younger, single mother who was in good shape and for the most part happy. Because of this, I believe, Avery and I didn't get asked to barbecues or events or anything. It was hard on Avery, but I think harder when we did get invited. He preferred for me not to go to things, which I get. You could cut the tension with a knife. It was just uncomfortable being me in a world that I didn't fit into. Most of the parents were older, married, and a lot of the moms stayed at home. I was the anomaly. One night when we were in the house, I woke up because my mom was screaming out her window, Eva, there are men breaking up your car. I ran to the front door and looked out the window, and sure as shit, there were three boys breaking all of my windows on my car with baseball bats. I opened the door and charged out with nothing. I wasn't thinking necessarily. I just wanted them to stop. My mom had already called the cops and was yelling, the cops are coming, as I was chasing them down the street. They jumped into a black Bronco and took off. I went back to the house and was devastated about my car. It was the one that my dad had given me. She had been a lifesaver. When the cop got there, we told him the story. He stopped us after I said that I ran out to chase them. He said, wait, where are you guys from? We said, here. He said, Thornton? No, I said, Denver. I grew up in Denver. He started laughing and said, oh, okay, that makes sense. I have been doing this beat for a while and have never heard of anyone leaving their house to chase after dangerous men with baseball bats while the other one is screaming from the upstairs window. Very impressive, ladies. And dangerous. Please don't do that again. He left but said that they probably weren't going to be able to do anything about it. It's time to let go of my car and get a new one. After this, we moved into another house that was more affordable and smaller near Lake. And even though I had been dating on and off, I was still looking for the one. At this time, I met Ian. I actually knew him from when I worked at the restaurant in Denver, the Italian one that the group had pushed me to work in. We reconnected on Facebook and decided to meet for a beer. Nothing serious, just friends catching up. As soon as I sat down, though, I knew that I wanted to be more than friends. And if I'm being honest, I always had a crush on him when I worked with him. But like everything else in those years, I was focused on Avery, school, oh, and the cult. So we met and hit it off. We quickly started to date and get serious. He was older than me and was a pure mountain man, which I loved about him. He was rugged, manly, and had his shit together. Or so I thought. We dated for about a year and then decided to move in together. My mom was still living with Avery and I. I talked to her and said that I wanted to try to be an actual family for once. Could she find a place to live by herself? I was so grateful for my mom. She had literally saved my life and was an angel to Avery. He absolutely loved her. He also loved that she was a pushover. But really, my mom had the biggest heart of anyone I knew. But to be clear, I've been taking care of my mom for a while, not just since she lived with us, but really for my whole life, even when I was little. She was the most amazing woman I know, but I can't stress how hard it was for her to be human. I found out that she was in a lot of trouble financially. I was angry and not as kind as I should have been, but I worked with her as I wanted to see her in her own space and to crawl out of the financial mess that she had gotten herself in. But she decided to move back in with my little brother. 
My mom didn't like being on her own, but I knew she would be happier there than on her own, so I was less worried about her. It was time for me to have my own place with someone I cared about, with a father figure for Avery. And it all seemed to be working out. The three of us moved into an area where Avery would start high school. Up to this point, we had moved around a lot for several reasons, but I also moved around a lot when I was little. I guess I was just used to it. I often moved to get Avery into better schools. It was easier to move into the district of the school than to choice him in. So we ended up moving a lot. Well, for high school, Avery asked me if we could just stay in one place for four years. I looked at him and said, oh, you're so needy and picky, but yes, we can do that and started to laugh. He did not think that was funny. So we found him a good school outside of Boulder, Colorado and moved into a nice town home in an area that can only be described as the Stepford Wives. And if you haven't seen that movie, imagine nice big houses, manicured lawns, lots of money, and the attitudes and personalities that come with that. It was surreal to say the least, but it was going to be a good place for Avery. When we first moved in, the three of us were sitting on the street having an early dinner at one of the cute little downtown restaurants. After a while, Avery and I just looked at each other. Ian was like, what's going on? We looked at each other and I said, totally what I was thinking. Ian said, I hate when you guys do this. You have to use your words. I can't read your minds. And I said, well, it's just pretty white around here. Ian laughed and said, yes, we're white too. Avery said, yes, but it's really white here. Uncomfortably so. I mean, I haven't seen any diversity. You, Ma? I said, no, I've been waiting for it. Oh, wait, I think I see an Asian woman. Mm, No, maybe she's not Asian. Ian started to laugh. You guys are crazy. And Avery said, We've lived in a lot of neighborhoods and cities, and this is the first Pleasantville that I've experienced. I started to laugh. Yes, Pleasantville, brilliant. Another movie if you haven't seen it. It sounds like the title. Everything is pleasant and perfect on the surface. And here, my friends, is where we will be ending today. Is Ian the one? Does Avery like high school? What is going to happen next? So, so much more. Don't miss the next episode. I so appreciate all of your support. And if you love this series, please review it and share it with anyone who might be interested and or enjoy being part of this journey with us. As most of you know, my website is now live at evanelsonhealing.com. You can also follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Eva Nelson Healing. I would love the opportunity to work with you and have several ways that we can connect. Please check out my website to get more information about individual healing sessions that I offer. An exciting new Accelerated Healer Circle that will start in May. I have two open right now, one in person here in Fort Worth where I am stationed and one virtually that anyone can attend. Apply no later than April 12th if you are interested. Transformative and healing guided meditations that I am starting next week on Wednesday evenings. With immense love in my heart and honor in my soul, thank you all for being on this journey with me. Until next time, see you on the other side.